Hoosier United Methodist Podcast, episode 007 with Dr. Elise Fulbright. I believe that we all have the ability to lead. I believe that leadership is in all of us. It's just a matter of us rising to the occasion and leading. Hi, this is Todd Alcow, lead pastor at the Calvary United Methodist Church in Brownsburg, author of 30 books, including the upcoming title, The Other Jesus, and writer of the Body, Mind, and Spirit column in the Hoosier United Methodist Together magazine. You are listening to the Hoosier United Methodist podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, telling stories of Hoosier United Methodist churches and leaders making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. believes that a strong connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to achieving the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The Hoosier United Methodist podcast will help you and your church connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from successful pastors and people making a difference in United Methodist Churches in Indiana. And now, here's Brad. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast. I am Dr. Brad Miller, and on a regular basis, we bring you some thoughts and conversations with some of the leaders in the Indiana Conference of the United Methodist Church. And one of those particular leaders that we are talking to today is indeed the Director of Leadership Development in the Indiana Conference. That's Dr. Elise Fulbright. She's been on board on the staff of our of our annual conference since 2014 at annual conference and has been leading an effort to raise up a program or a team of leaders in our conference. In our conversation today, she talks a little bit about her personal call to ministry, her efforts to discover, develop, and deploy leaders in our conference, her efforts to rise up new leaders, both clergy and laity, some of her assessments of leadership in her annual conference. She also shares a little bit about some incredible figure from history who was very influential on her. We've got a great conversation with her and we're looking forward to sharing. A little bit later on in the program, we'll have our Methodist moment with Reverend Andy Kinsey. So let's get into the interview. What got you to this position that you're in right now as the Director of Leadership Development for the Indiana Conference? Mm-hmm. So for many years before I entered into full-time ministry, I was working in accounting. And so my undergraduate degree is in accounting. So I was in the accounting industry for many years, uh, moving up the corporate ladder, loving the perks of having a a corporate job and Mm -hmm. also being in management. Um, But yet I was not satisfied and not feel like something was missing. Mm -hmm. I began getting involved in a church, United Methodist Church there in uh, Texas. Okay, so that's home for you, Texas? Originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma. All right. I went to school undergrad in Springfield, Missouri, and then after undergrad moved to Dallas for a job in accounting. (laughs) All right. Um, Began getting involved in the United Methodist Church. That was the first time I ever saw female pastoral leadership. I never thought that they could do that type of stuff. (laughs) That wasn't part of your experience? Um, At all. So it was uncomfortable, but yet I kept feeling a tug, like something continued to draw me there. And it was Jubilee United Methodist Church. 
uh, continue to get involved, continue to uh, excel career-wise, but yet still feeling unfulfilled. So the the accounting career was tracking up and to the right. And yet there was something that was kind of tugging you a little different direction. Is yes. that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so begin serving as children's in the children's ministry, then the youth, and then they made me president of UMW. Okay. <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> and yet I was thinking, okay, there has to be something else. There's something more. We had a pastoral change, and then they... Um, appointed another female pastor. I'm like, okay, something is being said here that I don't know. Um, And it was, I continued to sense that I was was being called to pastoral ministry, but that was incongruent with what I needed to do as far as my life goals. I had always said, I am going to be a CEO of some company someday. And the trek was going quite nicely for me to be able to do that. Um, And so to be a pastor, you don't don't do that. Okay. <laughs> After all, they it don't make there, any money. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't part of the deal at that time. Yeah? It wasn't. But it was the events of 9-11 mm. where people were just crying out, wanting to know where was God in mm. the midst of all of that. Did you have any direct and, connection with the events of 9-11? Anybody you knew or anything like that? I didn't have any direct connection, but just seeing the images on the television and just the great lament across the country. And even when... Um, many of our governmental leaders was on the steps and wanted to offer prayer publicly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt a tug that God was saying, I need you. Mm-hmm. I need you. And um, and you felt that very spe- specifically about you? I felt that. I continued to sense that there was a call to ministry, but mm-hmm. I continued to dismiss it. Um, and then one Sunday, a uh, pastor of mine at the time, she said, I feel God is calling you to pastoral ministry. Now, mind you, I hadn't told anyone because I just wanted it to go away, like indigestion. I just needed to. (laughs) So you're in local church leadership, but you hadn't really verbalized that. I did not verbalize it. And she just said, I sense that God is calling you to pastoral ministry. You were sensing the calling and she was having a leading. Yeah. So uh, she affirmed that and I just cried uncontrollably because I didn't know what the next step was. Mm -hmm. So... I continued to work full-time and entered seminary um, doing that and going through the process for um, as a candidate and continued to do that for several years in and through seminary. Uh, the fork in the road came in May of 2008. I was mm-hmm. recommended for commissioning, and so I would have been I was going to be commissioned, which okay. meant I was going to get my first appointment. And I also was getting promoted on my job <laughs> to become okay. the controller right. of the United Way of Dallas. And um, well, it sounds like a pretty responsible position <laughs> that the opportunity would have presented itself. Yes. Right? Okay. Uh, and then the district superintendent called and said, well, I'm sending you to rural East Texas where it's a cross racial appointment. Okay. I'm like, and where is that? And do I commute or what is this? He said, no, you're going to live in a parsonage. What is that? <laughs> Sound like it was. Uh, <laughs> I sense a major culture shock. Was oh way, my huh? gosh! Where the only amenity was Walmart. <laughs> um, so after great struggle, because I'm thinking this that I had planned—that's what I went to school for, as far as in accounting to you know make my way up—was presented before me. But yet, this is what God has called me to do, and so. Mm-hmm. 
I went with this God thing <laughs> uh, to Commerce, Texas, and that was my first pastor as I was a associate pastor of a, a church there and also the Wesley Foundation director. So they had a college there, I assume? Uh-huh, right okay. across the street from the church. So right. um, did that for two and a half years, had a great time, launched a new worship experience there, uh, grew the ministry, and then I get a call from the DS. The bishop would like for you to serve in this new position in the conference okay. <laughs> as the associate director of leadership development. Wait, what? <laughs> It was everything I had ever wanted to do to align my gifts of administration. It's not like you have a pattern here of some things happening. They're going, tracking along, and all of a sudden you have a disruptive I'm minding event. my own business, <laughs> doing what I'm called to do, and then I get phone calls. Yeah. Um, had a great time. I began serving in the North Texas Conference as the Associate Director of Leadership Development. Okay. Um, did that for three and a half years, three and a half years. The opportunity was posted for this position in Indiana. I didn't know about it. Two separate friends had sent me the posting. The first friend sent it. I said, oh, that's interesting. But where is Indiana? (laughs) And I just dismissed it. But then another friend a day later had sent it to me and said, you need to look at this. And so I looked at it, applied, and I thought in my head, I'm sure they already have someone else. Um, They're just going to go through these perfunctory roles. (laughs) But then they called and continued calling, and I continued to go through the process, Um, even the face-to-face interview, and then got the call from Bishop Mike to say, we want you to come to Indiana. So, and so here you are, huh? A year later, I've made it through a winter, which everyone says was mild, and I hate to see what a real winter looks like. So. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, we couldn't get a little little different than Texas. I was in Texas, 104 degrees last weekend. I was, there, and it's so. wonderful. <laughs> okay, whatever you say. But uh, so, but here you are in leadership development, and your title and is Director of Leadership Development mm-hmm. for an Indiana Conference. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What is that title? I mean, I mean well, there's the title, but, you know, mm-hmm. what, did, what was the expectation coming in about leadership development, and what was your assessment where we stood when you got here? So I think the expectation was start a leadership development department because it was from ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of my first... Uh, Inklings was to begin having conversations. So I got in the car and start driving around the state. One, getting to, I wanted to get to know culture. What is the culture of here of Indiana, mm-hmm. and what are the needs and where are the opportunities? So began meeting with pastors and also lay leaders, mm-hmm. uh, just to try to assess where do we start with this whole leadership development thing. What I found with clergy is that there was there has been a low morale, and I don't know if that's because the conferences came together and we still don't even know each other or however that has um, come about, but clergy morale has been low and mm-hmm. continues to be low. And then also uh, an awareness of what it means to become a leader or to be a god a Christian leader. Mm-hmm. And so those were the things that I sensed were the greatest opportunities. And so created a team, an operational team, where we began assessing adaptively how can we begin addressing these things. And so my operational team is a group of lay and clergy people that we gather uh, once a quarter to begin thinking how can we make a difference as it relates to leadership development for both lay and clergy. 
were very intentional about it being lay and clergy because oftentimes we pour a lot of resources in our clergy base, mm-hmm. which I understand, but we often miss the opportunities to really build up um, fruitful lay persons to serve in our ministries. And a lot of times, some of our really skilled leaders in other walks of life, business, nonprofits, uh, military, and a number of things are pretty excellent leaders in their Absolutely. own right. And uh, sometimes the, uh, the church, sometimes we have been a little bit of a cocoon or bubble separated from the leadership capabilities of the laity. And if we can uh, find those places where they interact, or then possibly you could raise the greater good of everybody. Right. And empower them to use those gifts. You use them Monday through Friday. <laughs> yeah. And how is it can we how can we leverage those gifts that you use in your secular employment um, to help the church continue to move and grow for God's glory. So mm-hmm. I've noticed that you've designed and kind of and have a some uh, a framework, a template, if you will, for what you're doing in leadership development in in Indiana, and I wish you might say a word about it. You, among the other terms you use it is to discover, develop, and deploy. Mm-hmm. Say a little bit of word a word about what you mean by those three phrases, and mm-hmm. how that kind of grew out of your just you know what you found out when you got here, and just say a little bit about. Okay. That framework there. Um, so our vision in leadership development is to discover, develop, deploy fruitful leaders, both lay and clergy, to accomplish the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we you got all that one breath. Way to go! Yeah. I got to know my elevator speech. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and so, what we mean by a fruitful leader is a passionate influencer who empowers others for intentional transformation in Christ. And so, when we begin thinking about how is it that we are going to move the needle or help empower more um, leaders to rise up from the periphery and also from within, um, how are we going to begin doing that? One of the things that I've also noticed in Indiana is that we recycle a lot of leaders. There have been leaders that have been in positions of uh, influence in this conference for uh, 20 plus years, <laughs> be it in the north, the south, or even as us coming together. Mm-hmm. And that troubled me so because if we think that we are a conference of over 200,000 people, all we have are the 20 that we continue to recycle. <laughs> We're missing opportunities. Something's wrong with this picture. (laughs) So I think that's where the discovering, how can we discover those that are on the periphery that have the gifts and graces to be able to help us um, to accomplish the mission of making You may not have been called upon or may not even thought to step forward themselves. Right. Okay. And over the last year. And I assume you mean both clergy and laity because a lot of clergy are not called upon as well. Absolutely. Uh, clergy and laity. What I have found is that we have identified several clergy person who have, clergy persons who have great gifts, but they've never been asked for whatever reason. And many don't want to be a brown noser to their district superintendent. But the great opportunity I have is to travel the entire state to have conversations, mm-hmm. to keep in my head a database of those persons, and mm-hmm. then I'm unafraid to ask. So, will you serve in this capacity? Mm-hmm. And what I've found is that people really are willing to serve if they're just being, if they're asked. And so many are honored to be able to serve at a conference level in some kind of capacity. So, I'm going to leverage this as long as I can. <laughs> well, and I think that's, uh, from my perspective, that needs to be a part of your opportunity and responsibility to 
use your um, position to make that ask Mm -hmm. and to discern those gifts and graces and to uh, you know to kind of peel the onion back a little bit to see what's there Mm -hmm. and perhaps you're using some uh, tools I know that you're using some uh, assessment tools and some seminars and some other uh, events to help uh, not only teach your take on leadership development, but to discover new leaders. Right. Can you say a little bit about some of the, oh, some of the events or some of the okay. tools or some of the things that you are doing to implement the, mm-hmm. the, the 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 detect I mean the discover uh, discover deploy um, from the de- development part of it, particularly from the clergy side. We've created um, three significant con- uh, initiatives. One being the Bishop's Leadership Academy. Um, That was in place before I arrived, but we revamped it to really have a leadership purpose. And those uh, Bishop's Leadership Academy is geared for those within the first four years after ordination so that we can resource them um, to become more self-aware leaders, um, to be able to serve for their lifelong commitment uh, in the church. The other is the call to fruitfulness, where we celebrate those that have um, given themselves to a lifetime service of ministry at their five-year anniversary of ordination. And so um, this year is the inaugural class of the Call to Fruitfulness where we uh, have brought people together. They connect with reunion groups that they didn't know that they had, meaning those that were ordained in the same year, and also making connections with other clergy persons from around the conference. Um, and so that's uh, part of a new thing that we're doing. It sounds like the first group is the... Uh the leadership group, the first leadership group has to do with kind of setting the DNA, setting the, the course, a proper course of uh, leadership development in the first few years of ministry. And, right. and the call to fruitful one is to kind of celebrate and encourage and to help nurture. people stay on track, nurture. Yeah. And then the third one is called Lead Up, where we have uh, identified strategic clergy persons that have the potential to lead at the next level. Uh, because we know that as our median age is around 60, there will be an influx of retirements coming within the next few years. And if we are not resourcing people and also developing people to lead at that next level, um, we are doing ourselves a disservice. So essentially, Lead Up is our succession planning model of developing those leaders of today to be able to serve at the next level. And it does not guarantee them the next level appointment, but it provides us the opportunity to create a pool that when needed, we have people that we are confident would be able to lead our large membership churches. Sounds like that. The lead up is a really a, a response to what you mentioned in that circle of that 20 or 30 or so leaders are just kind of recycled. It's a response to help cycle in, if you will, yes. uh, fresh voices, fresh yeah views of things and creating a pool that we create a DNA so that when they go into either a missional uh, appointment that is beyond what they have been doing and or a next level uh, appointment we are very confident Mm -hmm. in knowing that they are equipped and ready to go so that's the deployment piece well give me your assessment of those three pieces that you mentioned there how are we doing on those we're doing well it's the first year so um really uh, making our way through both for lead up and call to fruitfulness Uh, it's our first year so I will be doing an assessment of both of those classes to see what has been helpful what has not been helpful 
uh, and how we can make it better for the next class. So the invitations for the next class of both Call to Fruitfulness and Lead Up come out next month. So okay. we continue to move ahead. Yeah. Uh, and on the laity side, what we have done strategically is to strengthen our board of laity. Our board of laity has uh, been in flux for several years, and they have been a reporting agency where they come together on a monthly basis, report what they're doing, and, and that's it. Where we have changed the culture of the board of laity to empower them and resource them to become leaders, mm-hmm. to work alongside their district superintendent, understanding that they really have influence um, to empower and also to uh, recognize other laypersons within their districts. And so we have an upcoming event called the uh, Laity Day with the Bishop on October the 17th that we're really excited about. And we're charging each district to bring at least 50 laypersons. Mm. Pastors can come, but we're inviting 50 laypersons Focuses per district. Focuses on the laity of this particular Focusing event. Focusing on the laity. Okay. Uh, and this day will be a day with Bishop Mike where they will actually have FaceTime with Bishop Mike. Um, which many are uh, appreciate. Some mm-hmm. of them don't even know that there is a bishop. But <laughs> um, And then there will be breakout sessions to help uh, resource them to become better leaders. We have a session about conflict management, about uh, generosity and stewardship, and then also how to become a missional strategist as a layperson. So we're excited. So providing some tools there to the laity, and that sounds like a good thing. And that kind of leads me to where I really want to go with you for a second here, Elise, which is the, you've already mentioned it already, but the overall mission of the United Methodist Church, which we certainly adopt in Indiana, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And so everything we do, the way I understand it, our mission is to serve that, is to serve that statement. So how, how we do on in terms of what you're working on in leadership development to put where the rubber meets the road until how these leadership uh, initiatives that you're talking about, uh, how are we doing in terms of actually making disciples? How are we doing on actually having life transformation in the communities where our churches are at? How are we doing? Well, what I hope is that the resources that we provide for both lay and clergy help to give them confidence and also empower them mm-hmm. so that when they are in their local context, they are able to better know how to serve and have the courage to go out into the mission field in order to not only bring people in, but help them to become in relationship with Christ. And so while we may not have a direct influence of being a disciple-making body um, through leadership development, I believe that we provide the resources that help empower and encourage people who are in the mission field to be able to do it better. So quantitatively, um, I don't think we have the numbers as of yet, but anecdotally, I have heard many uh, responses to say, I wish I had this 20 years ago for many that are in calls of fruitfulness or some laypersons to say, wow, I didn't know that I could do this. <laughs> well, anecdotally, let's go with that for a second. And how about a, a, a good news story? I'm talking about e- either a personal encounter you have or perhaps with a group of leaders or a local church where something cool is happening where something and some energy has been generated by some of the things you're talking about here just mm-hmm. the success story so one that just comes to mind is a participant in our lead up uh, process in our lead up initiative and this has been a pastor for 20 15 years they've been a pastor for 15 years and we have been talking about uh, mission vision strategy purpose 
And they had stated that they had heard about this for many, many years, mission, vision, strategy, purpose. They get that. But it was something through the session that is led by uh, Janice Virtue, who is a facilitator uh, Mm -hmm. out of the uh, Carolinas, to come in. It was something in that that she had said that clicked within them, a light bulb moment, where they were able to go back into the local context to share it with the people and he stated that these people have become excited about church. <laughs> and he's been That's in his appointment hear. for like three years. And he said that he's never seen this sense of excitement and a revival of sorts. And I'm just thinking, wow, you know, we don't do anything that leadership development is not anything earth shattering as far as the concepts that are presented. These are age old concepts that are just reintroduced. Mm-hmm. And, um, but for it to click and for him to go back and to um, create that buzz within his congregation, that's exciting for me to say, okay, if we could touch one and have transformation in one, then that has a ripple effect for many. Well, that gives you an affirmation of what you're about and also helps us to realize what we have said is our, our, is our mission because if you're able to have that uh, something click with that particular individual, then that situation is much more likely to have influence on, on church folks or whatever the case may be in their local community because if our mission is to make more disciples, it's not going to happen just by wishing it to happen. Right. It's going to happen because folks like you're talking about here get out and start to get her done you know and we grow by one we often think we have to reach the masses but if we can reach one and one reaches another and one reaches another the art of multiplication happens (laughs) and multiplication happens often out of conversation Mm -hmm. and conversation you know developing rapport and relationship and that type of thing and and so that I think that's you know part of the leadership is that influence, and sometimes it has to happen in those type of settings. And so that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about this kind of a hypothetical situation here. Just if you were just going to sit down and have a cup of coffee at Starbucks or someplace with a a person living or dead, but it can't be Jesus. <laughs> no, okay? Jesus. <laughs> and it can't be like your parents or any family member. But uh, who would that be? A, a figure that, uh, an actual figure, not a mythical, mythological thing, but a person you just like to have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. And a little bit about maybe what would be the content of the conversation. So I've been reading more about Gandhi. I mean, we hear about Gandhi and his uh, uh, civil disobedience and, right. the, and how he has been affirmed for that. But I've been reading up about just the wisdom that he used in galvanizing the people to not to um, to galvanize the people to make a change in that area and the courage that he possessed. So I would just be curious to have that cup of tea <laughs> right. and say what what fueled you to be able to do some of this? What was your why? Um, and just to hear it uh, because the more and more I'm reading about, about his story, uh, of courage, I think that that is what is inspiring me to to lead through courage rather than fear. Lead through courage, and that was his big why. That was his yeah. why. I'll just turn that around just a little bit. If someone was going to come to you and just have a conversation over a cup of tea, what are they going to learn about you, particularly about what's your big why? Mm. 
So my why is that I can help to resource people and empower them to live out of their God-givenness. And oftentimes people just need an awakening or what I call is a, a flame of, excuse me, a fan to the flame within to just kindle something to where they want to make a change in this world. And so when people say, well, what is your why? That I can be a fire starter. <laughs> fire starter. Well, that, that's terrific. So that's a great place for us to start to think about how your influence continues in that area and leadership development. And so, uh, uh, Dr. Elise uh, Fulbright, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, if uh, folks in a, a pastor in Indiana or any place else is listening to this or a local church person or someone, if they want to, if they want to get resources, you said that's what you're about is resources. And if they want to get some resources from you or make a connection with you, uh, how, how can they do that? Great. So our conference website, inumc.org, uh, at the top there is a header, and at the header it says leadership development. You click leadership development. Unfortunately, they have put my picture there, which I don't like, but we're going to change that. <laughs> but also all of my contact information is there via email, elise.fulbright at inumc.org. Also, the office phone number is there, and so they'll leave a message or leave me an email, and I typically respond within 24 to 48 hours, and I would love to... To connect with those who are looking um, to how can they increase their leadership capacity, either a lay person, a clergy person, or a congregation. Wonderful. Great. Well, that's uh, part of what uh, we want to have that opportunity for folks to share how they can be in contact with you. But, you know, what would you want to leave us with? What's a good thought? What's kind of a thought that, you know, some people have a thought of the day or a, a personal uh, a personal statement. What's the thought that you'd want to leave with us today? I believe that we all have the ability to lead. I believe that leadership is in all of us. It's just a matter of us rising to the occasion mm. and leading. Indeed, Dr. Elise Fulbright rose to the occasion in this interview. From my perspective, she is rising to the occasion to raise up leadership in the Indiana Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. And I think we're in good hands here as we move forward in leadership development. Right now, let's have our Methodist moment with Reverend Andy Kinsey from the Grace United Methodist Church in Franklin, Indiana. The other day, I was looking at an old Cokesbury hymnal and in that hymnal was an order of service. At the end of that service, there was the invitation to Christian discipleship. And I thought to myself, uh, how we need to recapture that whole thrust of giving invitations at some point in the service of worship. Uh, many people call these altar calls, though I think uh, what John Wesley had in mind was something more, uh, something more in-depth, and here I think as pastors, as lay people, there are wonderful opportunities throughout a worship service to give invitations to Christian discipleship, whether it's at the beginning of Holy Communion, whether it's at the beginning of a baptism, or whether it is following a sermon, inviting people into this uh, grace-filled life with God, uh, giving that invitation, uh, it needs to be uh, a part of what we do together as, uh, as Christians. 
And I know Wesley would phrase it something like this. He wouldn't give an altar call per se, but he would tell people, you know, if you're really serious about this Christian life, come back and talk to me. Come back a week from now and let's uh, let's get together. Let's be in conversation. And then, then we'll find a way to get you involved in a small group. Now, that was his way of inviting people into this uh, life of Christian faith. But I wonder what ways would be helpful today uh, to do that. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast. It is a privilege to serve you, and we certainly welcome your feedback. You can do so by going to our website, which is HoosierUnitedMethodist.com, and connecting up there we also have a free gift for you there if you want to pick that up there. But most importantly, we really would invite you to go to iTunes and find the podcast there. Just type in Hoosier United Methodist in the search field and uh, look for us. Find us there. Then subscribe and rate and review the podcast and then share the good news with other people about it. And we certainly are looking for great stories of the people and the churches who are innovative and doing some great things for God in the Indiana Conference of the United Methodist Church. We'll be back again soon with another episode telling the stories of churches making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. We challenge you to be an active listener by subscribing and becoming a vital member of the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast community. Visit us on the web at HoosierUnitedMethodist.com and chat with other members at Facebook.com slash Hoosier United Methodist. Until next time, continue to make disciples and transform the world. Thank you.